0: Today, from the Global Lane, Palestinians and Israelis under siege. Will Israel bow to pressure and halt its military response in Gaza? It will
1: be quiet in Gaza only when it will be quiet here in Israel.
0: Are you woke? Victor David Hansen on reversing the latest cultural craziness.
2: There has to be a desire not to take it and
0: to fight back. Most progressive president since FDR, slowing the shift to the extreme left.
3: It's going to produce economic problems rather quickly.
0: And Christian persecution rising in Canada. And it's all right here on The Global Lane. Acts in the alliance with Israel? For two weeks, President Biden refused to criticize Israel over its defensive response in Gaza. And then he bowed to pressure from people in his own party and pushed Prime Minister Netanyahu to accept a ceasefire. Well, joining us with the latest is Israel's representative to the United Nations, Ambassador Danny Danon. I know in Dearborn, Michigan on Tuesday, Congresswoman Rashid Tlaib reportedly confronted President Biden over Gaza and his refusal to criticize Israel. And moments later, the president praised Tlaib for being a fighter. So how likely is Hamas to continue this fight, sending rockets into Israel despite a ceasefire? And what have they gained in all of this?
1: Israel is under fire. We are dealing with a vicious terrorist organization. It's very hard to find logic when you deal with a terrorist organization. They started this cycle of uh, violence. They are targeting our civilians, they are putting their civilians uh, in the front line as human shields. And our policy, it's, it's very clear, it will be quiet in Gaza only when it will be quiet here in Israel. After 3,000 rockets and missiles, we are determined to restore the deterrence and to protect our civilians.
0: Well, ha- Hamas says it's now targeting Israeli military bases. Uh, Your government's energy minister, Yuval Steinitz, has called for an IDF takeover of Gaza to disarm Hamas. What do you think of that idea?
1: So the, the cabinet decided before the operation that the goal will be to target Hamas and its leaders and to restore deterrence. I don't think in this cycle we are speaking about a major ground operation. Uh, maybe eventually we will have to do it. We will have to clean up uh, the vicious terrorist organization and the leaders, because it's not only us suffering from Hamas, also the people of Gaza. Uh, they suffer much more than anyone else. Look at the regime. In the last few years, they put all their efforts and uh, money into building rockets and missiles instead of investing in uh, health infrastructure, education. So the day the Hamas will be destroyed, It will be a big celebration in Israel, but also in Gaza.
0: Yeah, it seems like their leadership is uh, living quite well, while the average Palestinian is suffering. So here in the U.S., former Vice President Pence wrote an article this week asserting that President Biden's reversal of Donald Trump's Middle East policy has led to this violence, because the United States is now, according to him, displaying weakness in the Middle East. Your thoughts?
1: So there's one uh, issue that we are uh, worried about, It's the intention of the new administration to re-enter the agreement with Iran, the JCPOA. You cannot appease those guys. You cannot appease evil. You have to fight evil. And if God forbid the U.S. will re-enter the agreement, it means that uh, Tehran will spend billions of dollars on terrorism. It will come to Hamas, to Hezbollah, to all of our enemies. Do you do you think some of the money that uh,
0: the U.S. Uh, Biden administration has sent to the Palestinians uh, has actually been used uh, to purchase rockets from Iran to uh, target Israel?
1: So we know for a fact that uh, even humanitarian aid that's coming into Gaza, uh, Hamas is controlling everything, and they are taking uh, funds and uh, instruments uh, in order to build their military. So basically, it's a uh, a terror organization who is taking uh, advantage of the situation. So I always told my colleagues uh, before you give a donation uh, to Gaza, make sure you know where the money goes to.
0: Follow the money. Now, we've seen large protests against Israel around the world from as far away as Argentina to thousands rallying right here in the United States and Chicago. It seems Israel's losing this media war to win the hearts and minds of people. So how important is it to win over public opinion?
1: Well, it's important. We know that when we fight, uh, we have to win uh, three battles. First, uh, the fight on the ground. Second, the diplomatic warfare. Uh, And third, the PR. But I'm not worried. You know, I think that the average American, when he sees that uh, a terror organization is sending thousands of rockets uh, into our cities, We understand that we are defending ourselves. Imagine there would have been one rocket flying from your neighboring countries into Washington, D.C. What would have been the response of the U.S. in such a scenario? Well, last
0: month in London, Pastor John Sherwood was arrested for preaching a biblical view of marriage. It was deemed homophobic speech, yet we see a convoy of pro-Palestinians shouting, F the Jews and rape their daughters. Nothing happened for that anti-Semitic hate speech. No arrests were made. It seems we see a lot of this when Israel takes defensive action against Hamas. So how concerned are you about rising anti-Semitism in Europe and right here in the United States?
1: I am very concerned about that. Uh, We have seen uh, anti-Semitic attacks uh, all around the world, Uh, even in Los Angeles, where we saw uh, innocent Jews being attacked only because they were identified as Jews. Uh, We call the governments uh, to take uh, strong actions against those radicals and to put them in jail. We shouldn't sit idly by when you see those kinds of attacks.
0: Okay, Israel's representative to the U.N. ambassador, Danny Donon, thank you for sharing your time and insights. We appreciate you.
1: Thank you very much. Are you
0: woke? AOC is. So is corporate America. Woke means you're aware of social injustice. Wokeism is transforming American society. But our next guest says it's not for the better. Those embracing wokeism may actually be advancing an Orwellian world where unwoke Americans are shamed, censored, or fired from their jobs, perhaps even arrested. Well, joining us to explain more is Victor David Hansen. He's a distinguished fellow at the Center for American Greatness, also a senior fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institution. Mr. Hansen, thank you for taking time to share your insights with us. So, In one of your recent columns, you talk about tuning out wokeism and suggest that revolutions have historically occurred when peasants with pitchforks Revolt against the elite, but this change is actually coming from the top down, not the bottom up. Please explain, what do you see happening?
2: Well, whether a person can communicate over social media is in the hands of very, very wealthy people at Facebook or Twitter or Google, um, Microsoft, Amazon, a lot of them in Silicon Valley. And that's got $5 trillion of market capitalization. It's the greatest concentration of wealth in civilization's history. Or if they're going to be lectured, the lecture's probably going to be coming from Wall Street or wealthy Hollywood elites or the L.A. Lakers star like LeBron James or the Obamas from uh, Martha's Vineyard or Oprah from her $90 million estate. And so what I'm getting at is that the people, even the architects of BLM, uh, they have a fondness for owning multiple homes. They've got over $100 million under their control in corporate. Donation. So what I'm getting at is this is not coming from the lower middle classes who are saying uh, we've got to have movements to make sure we have crime-free neighborhoods, that we have two-parent families, that we have opportunities for jobs. Uh, it's, it's not happening. It's coming from the elite.
0: As you said, it is the people in the lower middle class that are really suffering here. You talk about the bleak choices that members of law enforcement have at this time. What are they facing? What do you see as the end game here?
2: I'm not optimistic because I think they are rational people and they want to survive one more day to see their families. So when they go out on a call, they, they if I go to a particular high-crime neighborhood and I do arrest the suspect, that's not the end. That's the beginning. If the suspect resists arrest and I feel I'm threatened and I use force, especially if I were to resort from... And use lethal force, and in any way that's questionable, that decision in the spur of the moment, then I'm going to have my job lost, ruined, my pension lost, my family doxxed, so I'm not going to do that. Or if the, the suspect now runs away after detain, they're not probably going to uh, pursue them, because it ends in career destruction. Or so, how do they react to that? They, Or they go out and they feel they they themselves might be killed. And there's a lot of people in the United States that would either be indifferent to their death or rejoice at it. So in their way of thinking, when they hear a 911 call and they look at the area or the zip code or whatever the indicator is, they just say, you know, I'm going to pass on this.
0: I think it was you who said we've now seen the merging of our government with big tech and big media. So, how has that happened? What danger does that pose to America?
2: Well, I mean, it it means that what you read in on Google News or, or what you read on Microsoft News or what you read in the New York Times or here on NPR, on the network news, those stories are either choos- chosen or massage. Uh on the degree to which they advance a narrative. And that narrative is mandatory equality results, social, what they call equity. And if a story doesn't enhance that or indeed refutes it, then it has no, it has no currency. And there is no retraction under the new journalism. So if Donald Trump really didn't uh, ignore information that the Russians were putting bounties on our soldiers in Afghanistan, there is no retraction. There's no retraction uh that Don Jr. knew in advance of the WikiLeaks. He didn't. That's what we were told. The Russian hoax, there's no retraction for that. There's no retraction for the January 6th narrative that uh, Officer Sicknick was violently killed by an enraged Trump supporter, or an armed insurrection stormed the Capitol, armed in- insurrection, or a criminal broke through and had to be stopped before injuring people uh, by a heroic policeman. And so. The real narrative that Officer Sicknick died of natural causes a day later, or Ashley Bobbitt, Babbitt was unarmed and shot by a police officer whose name, age, circumstances of which we don't even know to this day, and that not one person who was in that mob, of, and I've I condemned it, but not one person in that mob was armed, but much, used, much less used an arm. But that, who knows that now? So that. THE MEDIA TRIES TO AFFECT SOCIAL CHANGE IN THE WAY AND WHAT IT COVERS.
0: HOW DO CONCERNED AMERICANS THEN EFFECTIVELY FIGHT THIS? WHAT CAN THEY DO? SHOW UP AT SCHOOL BOARD MEETINGS LIKE SOME PEOPLE DID IN OPPOSITION TO THE TEACHING OF CRITICAL RACE THEORY in SCHOOLS IN Loudoun COUNTY, VIRGINIA? WHAT DO THEY DO?
2: I THINK THEY HAVE TO BE REALISTIC. AND they, FIRST IT STARTS WITH KNOWLEDGE. AND THEY SAY TO THEMSELVES, WE CAN'T CONTROL HOLLYWOOD MOVIES. WE CANNOT CONTROL TELEVISION PROGRAMMING, THE OSCARS, THE Emmys, THE TONYS. Professional sports, the NBA, the uh, NFL—we get that. We don't control Wall Street. We don't control the big media. We do not control the universities. However, all of those levers of influence, money, power, are still represent a minority of Americans. Thirty or forty percent poll on all these issues support. That's it. Whether that be open borders, or canceling our energy programs, or the woke movement, or etc. So they have to say we are the majority, and if the Koch CEO or the Disney CEO or the Target CEO or the Delta CEO says that we're racist because we approve of having an ID to vote in the way that we do buy alcohol or cash a check or go to a baseball game, then we're not going to participate. We're not going to buy their products. And when they call us racist, we're going to go to the local school board, as you suggest. And when somebody calls me a racist and there's no grounds for it, we're going to ignore it. We're not only going to ignore it, but we're going to say that the person who alleges that is more likely racially obsessed himself. So there has to be, individually, according to each person's station, uh, a desire not to take it and to fight back. The, The majority of Americans, of all different creeds and religions, Ethnic backgrounds don't approve of a McCarthyite America. They just don't.
0: Victor David Hanson, distinguished fellow of the Center for American Greatness, senior fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institution. Thank you for providing those insights. We appreciate you. Thank you. With his first 100 days now behind him is Joe Biden living up to expectations that he'll become the most progressive president since FDR. Is this just a leftist pipe dream, or is our 46th president enacting policies and executive orders that are truly moving America to the extreme left? Well, here to weigh in is political scholar George Liebman. Mr. Liebman is an attorney and frequent contributor to the American conservative. His latest book is Vox Clamentis in Deserto, an iconoclast looks at four failed administrations. Mr. Liebman, thank you for joining us. So you believe the president's agenda is an unrealistic liberal wish list. Your book title, I guess, suggests you're a lone voice crying out in the wilderness, but it sure seems like a leftist agenda is advancing. So let's look at a few of these big changes now underway. First, the southern border crisis. With migrant children packed into cages like sardines, some testing COVID positive, what's the Biden and Harris long-range game plan here?
3: Well, I'm not altogether sure there is one the problem is that by criticizing trump's policies they raised expectations on the part of those who want to come here and it's going to take a while to turn that around and i think they're going to find themselves adopting measures for which they criticize trump because they're only the only way they can stem the flow is by changing expectations
0: how about other items on this progressive wish list like ending the Senate filibuster, packing the U.S. Supreme Court and making Washington, D.C. the 51st state. Does Biden really have a shot of making those historic changes or is resistance likely even from like people like Senator Manchin, others in Biden's own party?
3: I don't think he has a shot. And what what this administration reminds me of is the first year of the Mitterrand government in France. You will recall Mitterrand. who was a, ran on the socialist ticket, took over from a conservative government, and he was in a coalition with the communists. And the first year of his tenure, he had a very liberal premier. They tried to nationalize the banks. Capital began fl- fleeing the country. They, were, they got themselves in a recession. And then after a year, he got rid of his premier, totally changed his policy, and had a fairly successful five or six years thereafter. And I think something of that kind is going to happen here because the the expectations they're creating, both in the business community and on the left, are such that it's going to produce uh, economic problems rather quickly. And when that happens, I think uh, Biden, uh, who is not a conviction politician by any stretch of the imagination, is going to make some rather sharp adjustments. Maybe I'm wrong in that forecast, That's what I see coming.
0: Well, I I guess maybe as we move closer to an election year, the congressional election year of 2022, even next year as they prepare and start campaigning, uh, maybe they'll move away from these leftist ideas in the base. So how about taxes, jobs, trillions of dollars in new spending? Where is all that heading? Guaranteed universal income, socialized medicine, Green New Deal? What do you think?
3: Well, there are. Parts of it, the child tax credit, which may go somewhere because they have some Republican support. I don't see the proposal for two years' preschool going anywhere, uh, uh, and uh, I think the, most of the tax proposals uh, won't go anywhere. Uh, I think it was interesting, the secretary of the Treasury is already worried about inflation. She said so, and of course she had to pull back almost immediately. But, you know, I think there are obvious concerns because what's happened here is you have a great deal of pent-up demand as a result of the COVID crisis. You have a very high savings rate. It's sort of like the situation after World War II when you had, had rationing during the war. There were people who thought there might be a depression afterwards, but the result the result was totally different. There was inflation afterwards because you had all these savings and people wanted to spend them. And that's what's gonna happen here.
0: I know you've written a book about four failed administrations. So what do you expect? Is the Biden administration trending towards success or failure?
3: Well, I would say it's trending toward failure and the failure will take the form of continued deadlock. Uh, Biden had a chance to get out of the deadlock we've had for the last really 20 odd years. Um, He could have recreated the Roosevelt Coalition, which was a coalition of northern ethnic and Roman Catholic voters, uh, some southerners, and so on. But what he did instead is he doubled down on the culture wars. And I can't imagine why he did that, because the effect of that is to cement the evangelical and Roman Catholic and Mormon vote in the Republican Party and to perpetuate something in the nature of a 50-50 division. And he didn't really need to do that at all. But for some reason, he's done it. And now it's going to be very hard for him to extricate himself from that commitment.
0: The book is Vox Clamantis in Deserto, an iconoclast looks at four failed administrations. George Liebman, thank you for providing those insights. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you very much.
0: Churches shut down and pastors arrested. A wave of Christian persecution is underway, only this time it's not in China, but Canada. Yes, America's northern neighbor. It's happening mostly in Alberta and Ontario, all in the name of public safety and health. It's enough to make Les Québécois shout, mon Dieu. On May 14th, police interrupted praise and worship at the Mennonite Church of God in Elmer, Ontario. Congregants sang, On Christ the Rock, I Stand. Afterwards, they exited peacefully, and police locked the building. The church faces more than $100,000 in fines and legal fees. And in Calgary, freed on bond this week, Pastor Archer Pulowski of Fortress Adalum Church says police mistreated him during his recent arrest and jailing. He insists that he became a political prisoner because he dared to challenge political corruption. He warns others, quote, They're going to come after you. It's just a matter of time. Also in Calgary, Rebel News captured weeping family members on camera just moments before police arrested Pastor Tim Stevens of Fairview Baptist Church. They said his worship service did not comply with public COVID-19 health orders, including masking, physical distancing, and attendance limits. The mild-mannered pastor responded. The government has obviously Uh, turned up the heat on churches trying to discourage them from gathering together. I think they don't understand that Christians are committed to follow the Lord Jesus Christ regardless of the consequences. Yes, folks, Christians suffered consequences for following their religious convictions. And I'm not here to encourage you to obey or defy government restrictions on church worship. Each church must decide how to respond after much prayer and seeking of God's will. Still, I must ask... Why are churches being shut down and pastors arrested if no one's been infected with COVID-19 inside their buildings? For years, persecuted people of all faiths from around the world have sought refuge in Canada, perhaps no longer. It now seems that Canadians may want to seek refuge in Texas or Florida, where freedom is actually respected, even during a pandemic. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on social media, watch us on the CBN News Channel and our broadcast affiliates. And until next time, be blessed.